welcome to Visibility Unlimited and Visibility Unlimited Spotlight, the video portion to Visibility Unlimited, the podcast. I'm Leslie Short, your host and the owner of the Cabo Group. Today's conversation may seem a little bit different as we discuss equity, access, diversity, business, but the business of basketball. I have the perfect guest today, Ronnie Zotto, to have this conversation with. Ronnie has been an agent, a scout. Um, he's at his own agency, the owner of Slam Magazine, which is the Bible of uh, basketball, Double XL. He's worked at the NBA. He's worked marketing. He does partnerships. So he knows the ins and outs of basketball. Ronnie, I know I missed something out of your bio. Please welcome and please share everything else you're doing. Well, first, Leslie, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm happy, happy to be here with you. Um, you pretty much hit it on the head. I mean, I would say that over the course of 30 plus years, just a little bit over 30 years, I don't want to age myself, but um, I started out with the Knicks and basketball operations and then went on to start Slam Magazine with a great group of guys over there. Built that for about 15, 16 years. Subsequently, Double XL as well there for many years. And then went to work for uh, the good folks at the NBA League office. And then was an agent for about seven years. And then kind of transitioned now into what I'm doing, which is Ronnie Zidell Speaks. Wow. You've done a lot, Ronnie. And so you are the perfect person to have this conversation with. With all of that, and I want to share, to tell people what is Ronnie Zidell Speaks. Give a little bit of that. Sure. So about a year or so ago, I realized after serving as an agent and having great clients for about six or seven years that today's student athlete at the division one basket at the division one level, and I work on the men's side, this could also translate to the female side to the women's side. But on the men's side, I feel that the, the players and their families, even the coaching staff to a certain degree, but to a high degree, are not at all familiar with what it's like to transition and what it takes to transition from student athlete to professional athlete. And then when you get there, if you get there, if you're fortunate enough to get there, how do you stay there and how do you grow once you get there? And a lot of this is really geared towards the 99% of professional basketball players that play and the 99% of basketball players that are professional play overseas and the 1% of professional basketball players play in the NBA. So it's not just transitioning to the NBA. That's part of what I do, but I help them also if they transition to the G League, Europe, Asia, wherever it may be in the world. And there's a lot that goes into it because they just don't have that education because no one's out there teaching it. So why, one, why do you feel no one's out there teaching it? I want you to go back a little for those that may not be the ultimate basketball fans, but really want to understand what's going on. What is the G League? G League. Most people know the NBA. Most people know players go international. But what is the G League and why is no one teaching this? So I think, I think you know, there's, there's over 4,000, almost 4,500 players on Division One basketball scholarships in America today, every year, right? And the G League, by the way, is the, is the developmental league of the NBA. The G League stands because Gatorade's a sponsor. It used to be the, N, the, the NBDL, the National Basketball Development League. Now it's just called the G League. But it is the National Basketball Development League, a.k.a. the G League. And it's just a, every NBA team has a G League. Actually, 29, 28 out of 30 NBA teams have a minor league team, we'll call it, in the G League. And a lot of players think that if they don't make it to the NBA, and there's, there's only 450 players on the planet that play in the NBA each year, then they're going to, you know, then they'll play in the G League and ultimately get to the NBA or go overseas and come back and play in the NBA. So I think that that's kind of the general landscape. 
But I think that the reason um, I say kids are not really educated is because it's not so much an education. They're so focused on being the best basketball players that they can be as they, as they come up through high school, elementary school, middle school, high school. And they work really hard between the ages of literally eight years old and 18 years old to earn a scholarship at the division one level. And then when they earn that scholarship, they say, Hey, I worked so hard. I got to the top of the mountain, whether that's at, you know, St. John's Duke, Georgetown, Iowa state, wherever it may be, they got there, they earned a scholarship and they're playing at a very high level, but they're one of 4,550 people playing at that high level. So there's only a select few, right? Only 60 kids get drafted each year. And I don't think the kids know the odds. They certainly don't know. Um, they all think they're going to beat the odds, right? Because they're very, good, they're very good basketball players. But at the end of the day, Leslie, uh, there's no one providing that education. Coaches, the game of college basketball has cha changed so drastically over the last 18 months right. um, due to two major things, which I don't know if you're – um, your, your listeners uh, want to hear about it. But in general terms, right. it's the transfer portal. It used to be that if you transfer, you have to sit out a year. Now you could transfer every year to another school and play and be immediately eligible to play as a student athlete. Right. And also now they have the name, image, and likeness, which is players. Well, hold, hold that. I, I don't want to get into that so sure. soon. Sure. I do want to get into that but because I want to go back a bit. And sure. I want to throw something out at you. And I think we were having a conversation. I said... Let's be honest, the majority, clearly not all basketball players are come from black and brown communities, from homes. So when we speak about equity, which is access to understanding the business side of playing ball, that may not be so readily available. So I love that you are looking, and before we get into the element, breaking that down, not only with the coaches, because it's almost like any art form, music, dance, sports, you start young, they put blinders on you, and they tell you, this is what you have to do. I was one of those people, you dance, you dance, you dance, you dance, you play ball, you play ball, you play ball. And everyone doesn't always understand how you get promoted, how the coaches look at you, the things you need, how you walk into on the court how you address people is also part of understanding the business. So can you break down a little bit how you work with families and coaches sure. um, and the athletes before we get to? Sure. So ideally it's the coaches that I speak to. Mm -hmm. They hire me to bring in and they hire me to bring me in and speak to the team. Right. And there's basically 12 quick components. I won't go through all of them, but to give you a general idea, um, I educate the student athlete on these 12 items, which I'll tell you about. And the coaching staff is in the room and they learn a lot as well. A lot of times coaches say to me, Ronnie, you know, we knew about 25% of what you told us and we thought we knew the rest, but we really had no idea because it's such an ever-changing landscape, both overseas and here domestically. And the things I go over with these players, and if ultimately they want me to talk to their families, their parents, I'm happy to do so. Um, but it's, you know, everything from how to, how to select an agent. Um, what goes into that selection? What should your parents' role be throughout that process? You know, um, what you should look for in an agent. And then what kind of questions should you ask the agent when you're interviewing the agent? Right. And then I go on to things such as like, what, the, what, how do you, what does it look like when I'm preparing to try to get drafted by the NBA when I leave college? How do I make a decision on whether I should what's called test the NBA waters, which I'll explain really quickly. The NCAA allows players to test the waters which means ultimately you are allowed to put your name in a, in, in a ring, so to speak, with the NBA and say, hey, here's a couple of months to evaluate me when the season ends. 
and tell me if I have a chance to be drafted. And wow. they don't understand that, how that operates and how that works. Now, most coaches do have someone on staff that's responsible to be the liaison between the NBA and the NCAA and the players. And they do a great, they do as good a job as they can, but it's just one little iota of what they need to know. Then there's, how do I prepare for this training process for the NBA draft? What happens when I go undrafted? I talk to families about when you go undrafted, which is the most likely scenario, this is right. what your options may be. And then it goes, I go through the G League landscape and what that looks like, the NBA landscape and trying to make it. And then what happens if I go overseas? How do I determine where to go? And there's, and, and you know, and how do I it just, and, and how do I, once I'm overseas, how do I then build a resume, a basketball resume and kind of get to that next step? So there's so much that goes into it. And to be quite honest, Leslie, in, in short, Coaches don't really have the time. They're so busy recruiting, educating these kids, trying to win games. And now they have to worry about the NIL and the transfer portal. So that's why I come in as kind of an outsider with no, um, what's the word? No, as an educator and with no ulterior motives. You have no agenda. I have no agenda. I'm no no longer recruiting kids. So this is my, my, what I'm doing is kind of my purpose. I had a life off and, and that's kind of what I'm doing now. I, I love that you're doing this. And this is why I want to have the conversation because it is necessary to have people in every field be able to break down the field and give access of knowledge on how do you not just only play ball today? How do you have a career? How can you build that career? And I hope somewhere in there, there's that that understanding of money in that part. Now, let's be clear. NBA has an amazing group of talented people that, that take care of the players, but they do it from a big picture, right? And so why wait for a player to get to the NBA to have to learn these things when they should really be preparing in college and, right. you know, on the, the journey of playing. So I, now the, the, can, the I NIL, one, can I talk about one disconnect there? Of course. So Kathy Barons is the president of the NBA. She's wonderful. She does a great job. And she um, had they, the, the NBA, not just Kathy, they have a rookie transition program and they do an amazing job for their rookies. Once they're drafted, those 60 guys in the world each year, and a dozen of them come from overseas, and a dozen of them only played one year in college, and they're 19 years old, and the other 36 are college basketball players. Mm -hmm. So they do a good job. But for the other 99.99% of basketball players, Mm -hmm. the responsibility you would think falls on the school, but it's not their job necessarily to know all these things, nor are they subject matter experts in that that side of the fence. So that, that kind of, I hope that kind of sheds a little bit of light. No, absolutely. Because you can have people do a broad scope of here's what you need to look for. Here's what's going to happen. But if you've never had these conversations before, all of that broad stroke goes over your head. It doesn't still doesn't mean anything to you. So you need that person that comes down and help decipher all because everything is shiny. That's right. If you're if you're almost there, it's very shiny, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so to understand that. So now we have shiny in college. And when I say shiny in college, it's the NIL that you were about to start speaking of. If you could explain to everyone what that stands for. And now I think most people may have heard about it, but for those that haven't, because this is a new revenue for college athletes. I'll tell you what it stands for, a little bit how it operates and then how it could affect the landscape, right? So and how it's affected the landscape. So without naming names or schools, um, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, so it's name, image, and likeness is what NIL stands for. And basically, players would never be able, were never able to be compensated in any manner other than receiving their college education and maybe their meal plan, right? 
Um, so room and board. So they want scholarships. But these players are generating a ton of revenue for the rev universities and for and for the for every for, for all universities and conferences. So the NCAA initiated this new law called name, image, and likeness, where players are allowed to go out, and it's kind of like the Wild West right now. So a lot of coaches don't really know how it operates, but very quickly they're figuring out. So there's two ways for players to get paid, uh, to make money, to earn money through name, image, and likeness. The one way is to hire what's called an agent, a marketing agent, or an NIL agent. Mm -hmm. I believe nine out of ten agents. I would believe 99 out of 100 NIL agents don't really have the uh, thought, the ability to move the needle for these players. But the other, uh, but some might, if you're a top 10 guy, you're going to be a lottery pick or you have 2 million Instagram followers, then it's a little easier for anybody. But that's not the, that's the, that's the overwhelming minority, right? So uh, the other way is these things called collectives. Now, collect, every university now has to have a collective and you can't be in this business. Like you just, it just won't work if you can't keep up. But what collective is, and I'm going to give it to you in a kind of a very general term, is okay. let's say you're a university, you know, X university, and um, you you go to your your, your um, alumni, mm -hmm. and you go, and the coaching staff goes to some boosters and some folks that really support the school, and they try to collectively raise money so that they could then use that money to pay players literally to come to their school, right, and then. Sometimes they have to pay them again to stay at their school because the transfer portal is wide open. So what's happening essentially is some schools, whether it's some schools in Texas or some schools in Iowa, I mean, it doesn't matter where, have had more success than others because they have a, more, a wealthier uh, alumni base and a wealthier boosters. Some can, schools, can we stop there for one yes. second? Because that's like with any business, right? Who is investing in? And those that are have the money have the better opportunity. I just always want to kind of bring it back to what this, what the landscape is of when we speak about even diversity of where you live and who your alumni is and what type of alumni you have, not only for the basket that played ball, but just the alumni of the school and how they feel about their sports. Right. So you would think that the haves and the have nots, right? Those that have wealthier schools and those that just but here's the thing. It could be a small school in the Midwest or anywhere for that matter that has one wealthy alumni that just for argument's sakes created something called Google or it could. And, and he went to a small school or she went to a small school or it could be a bigger alumni base that's, you know, has a wealthier, you know, like a Duke or, 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 or a UNC that's large and has been a, a, a staple, a blue blood for many years. But I think that it's all going to balance itself out ultimately over the next couple of years. However, there will be schools that are not are, are they going to be the have nots because they're smaller and they don't have as much funding or the ability to build. So I think that's unfortunate, but that's just the way that the NCAA decided to do this thing. It's kind of like I said earlier, it is the Wild West and there the rules are there aren't many rules. And I might you know, some might say I shouldn't say that, but that's just the facts. I mean, kids can get paid and it's not direct. The school's not cutting a check to these kids directly. It's right. through this collective, and then they sometimes it could be through a collective could go out and find a brand, and that brand could then pay the kid. So it's you know it's it's a it's it's new it's a new world it's a new world out there, and everyone's really getting used to. It. We're only about eighteen months into it, but one thing, just one quick thing. Yes. What's happening is sometimes now the kid that is a really excellent college basketball player that knows that the likelihood is he's probably not going to play in the NBA, but he's going to play overseas or maybe the G League and then overseas. That kid now has incentive to play for a fifth year, to take a COVID year, which is a year that the NCAA is allotting kids who are in college during COVID. So 
sometimes a graduate transfer year. So what that's doing is allowing kids, which I'm all for, uh, right. to earn to earn money and earn a living. And sometimes you may earn more money as your senior year in college than you will for the first three or four years of your career overseas. And that's great. And and so they need to know that now. They need to understand that you don't have to run off. If you don't make the NBA, it may not always be the worst thing in the world, but how do you monopolize, still get your education and build a business and a brand when you're still in school? Especially if you are someone that is bringing in the audience, bringing in the notoriety for that school. Yeah, my message, Leslie, is, and just is, and I really mean my message is to seize the day to these kids. Like you only get to go to college once; you can't go back to school, right? If you leave after your sophomore year, and then you realize two or three years down the line, or three months down the line, when you didn't make it to the league, which is what's usually going to happen you made a mistake. So you seize the day because this is most likely going to be your best four or five basketball years of your life. Because if you're not playing in the NBA and you're not playing for three or four, you five different Euro league teams overseas. Then really you're talking about 99% of professional players. And those players will not have it as good as they had it in college with the love they get and the swag they get and the attention they get and all that they get from being in college. And some now also the NIL that they get. Well, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, basketball is a business. And so once you hit the NBA, it becomes a business. The love of it is still still there. Like any athlete, once you get into a company, once you get into the orchestra, but at you still now are part of a business. You are part of a bigger thing. You have different type of people coming at you from all different directions, expecting more from you than just putting a ball in a hoop. You do. I mean, if you make it to the NBA, um, it's a very busy schedule. People think it's, it is. I mean, you're playing three games, sometimes four a week. There's travel involved. Look, they do live a very luxurious lifestyle as it relates to the best medical attention, the best trainers, the great coaching, uh, f- phenomenal. You know, they're obviously traveling in first class or have their own you know, um, private jets. But at the end of the day, it's still work and it's still a grind. But there's only so many of those people, right? There's only so many. So what do you tell the young student who now has this NIL contract that is almost, you know, is really being looked at. And the parents are saying, I don't know, or, or, or leave now and go to the NBA. Oh, that's a great question. So I would say the answer is not to, not to dodge the, the question. I'll give you a straight answer, but it's really truly very situational because every kid's different. Just like our kids are different. We love our kids the same. They're all different though. So every player is different. I spoke to a, a family and a player. I don't want to mention the name, but a family of a player that plays at a mid-major, uh, mid-major school, meaning not one of the top 30 colleges in the country, but uh, basketball universities, but a school that makes the tournament. They're very good. And this kid, if he gets, if he decides to leave last year, if he decided to leave, his chances of being drafted were probably about 10% at the back end of the second round, meaning he would have been one of the last draft picks in the second round. The NBA draft only has two rounds. And in all likelihood, he would not get a guaranteed contract, and he'd probably get something very minor or maybe never play in a league. So my advice to them was go back to school, get your education. You're going to make more money in NIL than you will in Europe, definitively, for this kid. And he wound up going back to school. Now, this particular kid has one other year of eligibility at the end of this season. And he probably has a little bit better of a chance of getting drafted. But once again, it'll be in the back end of the second round if he's drafted. And the money might not be as good as his NIL money. So maybe get a graduate degree, get paid to get that graduate degree. And then the professional ranks are never going to go away. 
I always tell these kids and the families, the European landscape's never going away. The NBA and the G League are never going away. They're going to be there for you. So maximize what you can now while you can also get an education and also try to get better, like keep working. Right. And, and keep striving to make it to the tournament with your team next year. And if you get to the Sweet 16, try to get to the lead eight. And I try to give them that advice. But it is very situational, and it always depends on the individual. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Now, I would be dismissed not to speak about women's basketball. Sure. Because the women are they're, – they're, they're killing it. And the women yet, are no joke. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But yet, like in – Soccer, hockey, like in tennis, like in everything, the women's support is not always there within the leagues, let's say. Right. So can you take what you're doing now? And I know this is fairly new, you shifting into this realm and really right. focusing on this. So I'm hoping that once you hone in all of the things that you know, that you have and that you give, do you see, is it? Is it the same to work with the women basketball teams? Because at the end of the day, it's still a business. The truth of the matter is I'd have to do a little bit of digging and learn a little more and educate myself more on the female, on the women's side, because it's very different. The WNBA has significantly less amount of teams. I think a third of the teams that the NBA has. I believe there's 11 teams. I could be wrong. It's not my field of expertise. My field of expertise is on the men's side. That's where I'm a subject matter expert. Okay. However, however, I do think that the – the women are elite athletes. Um, I think the WNBA, David Stern, may he rest in peace, and now Adam Silver is carrying the torch really well, have always been on the side of women's basketball. And when they were losing tons of money for decades, they stuck with it. But it wasn't a reflection on the women's talent because the women are no joke. They're amazing. And I love, I lo I've loved watching a lot of these women's over the women over the course of the last 25 years or so, watching the G League, watching college games, uh, Shamiqua Holskaw is a, a woman who was from Queens. I'm from Queens, New York. And she was, you know, she won her high school championship every year, won in college, played in the pros. I've always been a big proponent and I like watching the game. But I will say while the NBA has been great about promoting the women's game and investing, investing in the women's right. game, um, the fans are, have not been as supportive. I don't know the answer to why. I think that they, you know, there's so much talent out there and I think they're making they're making headway, and I think it will get more and more popular because the women are just so good, and I, and I enjoy watching them. So I can't answer as to the why. As far as how I could help the women potentially in the future, right. I, I'd be happy to do that and speak to any family because it's not brain surgery. I know all the rules on the NCAA side, and I know what the odds are, but the, the landscape in Europe is smaller for women. The yes. landscape for professional basketball here in the United States with the W is significantly smaller. And there's only so many less spots. Like the NBA is tiny. The W is even smaller. Right. But I also think that with the NIL now, with brand partnerships, that there's there's maybe an opening to really help give that access to the women players because it seemed like, if anything, they, they need it just as equal as the men. But I'm oh, saying they really absolutely. need to have that education as well, how to maneuver that. They definitely need the education at the collegiate level as it relates to NIL because they are valuable, they are assets, and they should be paid for it. And a lot of them are getting paid for it. But I think that if you're at a school like South Carolina or UConn, where the two best programs in the country, right. you know, or whether you're playing at Notre Dame or Georgetown may not be as big a women's program, though it, 
the 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 player that's the best player on the team may garner more you know opportunity than the player that maybe is a role player off the bench. It's very important to a team, but may not be the player that people are coming to see, so to speak. So it right. is kind of like Leslie. This whole NIL thing is free agency. Coaches kind of cringe when I say it, but I'm like, that's what it is. NIL's free agency and the transfer portal's free agency. It's very and it it's, translates to both men and women. So right. yeah, the women certainly need the same education on the NIL side. I'm certain I'd, I'd, I'll get more involved in that if I can. I would just want to be as buttoned up on the female side as I am on the male side as it relates to the next level um, outside of the W because the W is tiny. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, what, what's the maybe three things you would tell coaches, three things you would tell athletes, and three things you would tell parents that they need to know why, one, why they need to work with you. Beyond, of course, I know you have all the knowledge, but right. what's, what's that – Here's I like, something we don't know. I would say with, I'll start with coaches. It's mm -hmm. hard to, I would say with coaches, I don't know if I have three, I just, I'll riff a little bit here, but I think with, with coaches, um, they're really busy. Like they're really all fighting for their jobs. Like even if you're on a five-year contract, a three-year contract in Europe, you get fired if you have three bad games sometimes. So you're not on a one-year deal, but these coaches in college, they work really, really hard. And they're recruiting constantly and they're re-recruiting the kids already on campus. And they're worrying about NIL and they're trying to win games and they're coaching. So what I tell coaches, and they agree with me once they Zoom with me and figure out what I'm all about, I tell them that I don't have an ulterior motive. I'm here to help and educate and engage with the student athlete. I'm not there to motivate. I'm there to educate and engage. Your job's to motivate, I tell the coach. So without an ulterior motive, I could come in and educate the student athlete. And if you want the parents, and certainly your coaching staff could learn from what I have to offer. So that's kind of what I tell the coaches. And then I go through what I offer. Uh, with the student athletes, it's too, it's too big of an answer. So I'll keep it short. But with the student athletes, it's the things I, I, I talked to earlier. From the simple, what seems simple as, as it relates to how to select an agent as to, and why to select that agent and what to look for, what the questions to ask but also how to really prepare for what's coming next and then how to, how to climb the proverbial ladder and build that resume, whether it be here domestically or overseas for most kids. And I, and I, and I would tell them, you know, how to do it and the, the pitfalls and, 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 you know, what they should look out for. I also talk about NIL and how you should protect yourself in a contract with an NIL agent. Um, so there's a lot of things I offer the student and the parents really as clueless as they are 90% of the time, as it relates to the industry and what's next, they all love their kids so much. And they believe in their sons and daughters because they were the best player at the high school level and they were the best player on their AU team. And they were the one of the best players in college, but that's one of 365 colleges. Um, so, you know, the, that's where they really, the parents really needed as much as the coaches do. The players are my main concern. And kind of what drove me to this was when I recruited a great young man named RJ Cole, who went to Howard University for two years and then UConn for a couple of years, University of Connecticut. Um, I recruited him. I, I do represent him. I love him. But I was I had a light bulb go off in my head saying, hey, what am I doing? How can I go into a school and not recruit a kid and try to get him jobs and help him, but help the entire team by educating and engaging with the team, the coaching staff, and maybe the parents so that I can help them understand what these next – few months are going to be like as they test the waters or go pro and what the next, what their rookie year is going to maybe look like. And then what they could expect throughout their career and what they can do tell better themselves to really reach the pinnacle because you can have an amazing career overseas, but you have to be mentally and physically prepared, not just physically. Yeah. So. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Thank you for taking the time to break this down. I know we were 
having the conversation, you're like, equity, inclusion, wait, what? I just do my job. <laughs> I do my job well. But what you really are giving is equity, which is access to knowledge to help not only the coaches, the students, and the parents, but to make better business decisions. Because every decision you make, even as a student, will lead to your career, to you having a better understanding of how you fit in. You don't ever have to tell someone, wait for someone to say you belong somewhere. You will know how you can maneuver within a system that is the wild, wild west at the moment. So <laughs> it's true. And I'm going to have to use that equity and access to knowledge because it's true. And I appreciate what you're saying. And I really enjoy doing it. It's kind of, I feel it's very rewarding uh, compared to what I was doing just prior as an agent. Although I love that and I love my guys. This is certainly um, seems to be a lot more rewarding. Absolutely. I can reach more people. I can help more people. Absolutely. So can you please let people know where they can find you? Sure. You could just go, go to RonnieZeidelSpeaks.com. It's R-O-N-N-I-E-Z-E-I-D-E-L Speaks.com. And on that website, within three or four minutes, you could read the whole website from testimonials to my background. But, uh, you know, if you're going to check out the website, check out the three-minute video on the website under the watch bar. And I think in three minutes, you get a really good idea of kind of what I bring to the table, so to speak. Well, thank you, Ronnie, for joining us. Any college, any athlete, and any parent will be lucky to have you in their corner as they build their career. So I look I forward to speaking to you again soon. I appreciate the time, Leslie, and I appreciate the interest in learning about what I do and you know what these kids need. Absolutely. Everyone, thank you for joining. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. You can always watch on the Cabo Group YouTube channel and listen at Visibility Unlimited, all your favorite podcast stations and channels. And I just say thank you. And I'll see you soon.